Nine games left, Jolon. Nine games left of the regular season, or ten or eight if you're a couple of other teams. And Tampa Bay Lightning have clinched a playoff space and the President's Trophy. But is it inevitable that they're going to go on to win the Stanley Cup? Hmm. I, always, I always find it interesting how people say, well, just because, you know, and I've said it on this podcast where if you win the President's Trophy, it doesn't necessarily mean you win the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and that is the case. Historically, there are a lot more teams who've won the President's Trophy and then haven't gone on to win it than have. However, this Tampa Bay team are so good and so dominant, night in, night out, that you kind of starting to get to the point where you're thinking, I don't see how they don't win the Stanley Cup now. Well, I've got a bit of insight from a friend who went to see the Tampa Bay Lightning just a few weeks ago. I'll tell you all about that in the episode coming up. But also, we're going to dial Toronto's uh, video room. We're talking Peggate, hockey film wrecks, and can a player still be classed as great if they've no accolades to their name? That's all coming up on NHL Fans From Afar. So, Jolon, how's that uh, Leafs hangover this week? So, I'm quite happy to carry on uh, what we did last week in not talking for the Leafs, although I kind of feel like we can double the time to uh, the entire length of this podcast um, about not talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's literally all I've got to say. There is, it's, it's miserable being a Leafs fan right now, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. There are so many other great hockey things to talk about. Let's focus on them. Exactly. Well, Toronto have won one in five games. It's oh, really? looking so oh, really? great. Okay. Haven't noticed. Yeah, <laughs> but what we are going to pick apart on this episode is we're going to look east and west. We're going to look at the last five games for some of those teams who are chasing the playoff space that they have always dreamed of, especially for some. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really interesting reading. It's nice to kind of step out your own team bubble. And I have continued to watch Colorado. Was pretty uh, peeved the other day that our favourite player, Jolon, Brad mm. Marchand, stole a win from Columbus the other day, a game-winning goal. It was an absolute beauty, a turnover cost them. I just thought, oh, God, of all the people, mm. Brad Marchand, for God's sake. Yeah, he, he's there time and time again the thing with that guy is that we've talked about him before but he is so easy to hate and yet at the same time if he was on your team you would love him anyway right let's invite our guest we've got a guest this week uh his name is andy he's in sunny shropshire i believe that's where you are is that the, the, finest, yeah. the finest county on the planet <laughs> yes <laughs> and i'm a canuck fan is that can we talk about Canucks this weekend? Is that the idea? Um, well, that's a bit awkward, isn't it, when you're talking about a playoff push? Um, <laughs> well, no, you see, I think the Canucks have had a... <laughs> talking from an experienced Leafs fan who's been through this process that the Canucks are going through at the moment, the Canucks are having the best season. These are the best years because there's no expectation. The mm. expectation is rock bottom and anything else above rock bottom is a great bonus. And I guess the... The, the big win for Vancouver is just how good Elias Pettersson is. Um, I mean, people knew he was good, but I don't think anyone knew he was this good. 
And I think the fact that you've got them along with other young players who have done really well this year probably means that the the post Sadin era is not going to be such a long and painful rebuild as perhaps it was looked to be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it is an exciting time. You're kind of at the bottom of the hill looking up. You know, a lot mm. of the team a lot of the teams are on a plateau or they're looking down. But yeah, as you say, the Sadines have gone. I think a lot of Canucks fans thought this would be a tough season. Um, you know, it's been a pleasant surprise, really. You know, they, they started off quite well. Oh, they, they've fallen out of contention just the start of this year. But to just get into this stage, I think, has been a major plus for the team. And as you know, say, Elias Patterson, absolutely brilliant. And the nice thing about, um, uh, the nice thing about that and uh, potentially missing out on the playoffs this year is not such a bad thing because then that means that next season you have got the kind of the playoffs as something to get at. And you can kind of nicely chart up. If anything, again, looking at the Leafs, they peaked maybe a little bit too soon by getting to that Washington series two years ago. And now it's kind of feeling year three. We need to progress. We need to push on. But mm. I don't know. Maybe that could work in Vancouver's favour by missing this year and then getting in there next year. Yes and no, I suppose. I mean, it's nice to be playing competitive hockey as well, though, because at some point these players are going to have to learn to win those games, aren't they? They're going to need to know what those situations are like when you have the, uh, the playoff uh, series of games. And if you don't have that experience beforehand, are you missing out a bit in your development? On the other hand, I suppose you could say they're ahead of where they should be just because you know, players like Helios Patterson have been so good. I don't think they're expected to be anywhere close to the playoffs this year. So just getting, having competitive games in you know, the start of this year has been good. Has it been enjoyable being a Canucks fan this season, though? Yes, it has. Um, it, even at times when we've struggled and we have struggled towards the start of this year, there's, there's been you know, one or two players you thought, that's just great to watch. I mean, we just, just talk about Patterson. He's, he's getting close to breaking you know, various records. He's broken one for the Canucks as the most points from a, uh, from a rookie. Um, but just, just the style of play as well. You, know, you, you watch some of the things he does sometimes and you know, looking from above, you think, how did he see that? But then you think he's down at the ice level how did he see some of these passes to pick them out? And he's you know, built up a nice understanding with um, last season's young star, um, Brock Besser, who's planting the puck on his stick for, for various goals. Uh, and there's other young players coming through as well. Um, there's a guy called Adam Gordet, who's the, the third line centre, who is start off very promising. And then various ones coming through the system. There's a, another guy called Jet Wu, who's um, signed an entry-level contract now. Um, Quinn Hughes, of course. So I, th- I think just looking to the future is looking very bright. So Andy, listening to you talk about your team, you sound like someone who knows everything there is, a <laughs> diehard Canucks fan. But the truth is that you're a relatively new fan to this sport. Just tell us how long you've kind of been following and how you got into this, because it, it is amazing, the knowledge that you have. Yeah, I'm an absolute fake, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think about why I started and when I started. And like a lot of people, um, I had a Mega Drive in the 1990s when I was a student and played um, NHL 94. But I didn't really get into ice hockey until a couple of years ago. Um, my local team, the, the Telford Tigers, were looking for someone to help write their programme. And I thought, well, I, I do a bit of writing in my job, uh, so I'll come and help you out. Um, then I thought, well, I'd better go and see a few of the games so I know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I sort of gradually discovered it's, it's a good sport um, to take your family to. Um, so I've been taking my four-year-olds to a lot of the games 
and it works out very well for him because it's it's indoors it's a sort of small scale thing you're not gonna get lost in the crowds um he can move about if he gets bored or go down and get a hot dog and there's lots of shouting and violence which he seems to enjoy <laughs> um so, so yes it's worked out very nicely it's a sort of a family sport as well one of my favorite things about ice hockey in this country um, and i'm not sure why it is particularly but my girlfriend loves that when we go it's a it starts at like six o'clock in the evening like mm. and it's it's you can be home by eight like eight yeah. eight thirty loves that all other kind of evening entertainment tends to go on much later that's the one thing that she loves about ice hockey and why i can get her down to watch an oxford game or a telford game yeah it works out perfectly because uh, my wife can get our little baby to bed while i take um, uh, my son casper to the game uh, and he's home in time for his bed as well um actually it's funny the first time i took him uh, he knew that ice hockey was vaguely a thing because um, I'd watch the highlights while he's trying to watch CBeebies in the morning. Um, and, <laughs> and he, so he was vaguely aware of what it was. And it, it was, we were in the car going down there. And he said, um, Daddy, I know where we're going. Uh, we're going to watch that golf and ice that you watch. It's very, <laughs> it, it's very boring to me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, he's going he's gonna to hate it. He's not going to enjoy it. Golf <laughs> on ice. I, I love it. Yeah, absolutely loves it. So, yeah. And but how... How do you find the rules, though? How, how have you learnt what on earth this game is about? Um, I'm lucky because there's a, there's a guy where I work who, who's a referee for ice hockey, and so I'll come in on the next day and say, what happened there? Uh, and he'll sometimes explain this stuff to me. Some of it's still a mystery, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'm still to be honest, it Danny, it's, a, it's a mystery to some of the NHL refs um, <laughs> after this last week or so, um, so I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, um, I didn't really get the, um, the fighting thing to start with. I mean, that just seemed weird. It was like a sort of pantomime, like what you stop and you allow the fights to happen and then you carry on going and you just sort of give them, what? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I'm getting the hang of that now. There are some sort of conventions, aren't they, to the fighting? Yeah, yeah well, it's, it, it is a strange one and it is one that's changing as well. I think even in the kind of short time that I've followed this sport religiously, mm -hmm. it's, it's changed quite a bit in that time and it's far, there are far fewer of them. But you, you suddenly realise every now and again there are, yeah, there's almost a whole game going on within a game when it comes mm. to fighting and that kind of side of stuff, which is disappearing a bit now, but it's still part of it. Well, see, I was listening to the guys on Hockey Central talking about uh, how, how old can it, can, is the right age to allow your kids to watch Slapshot, the movie, right? <laughs> yeah, and, I was listening uh, to that, yeah. And then they were kind of d discussing how the kids might find it bizarre that they actually fight because yeah. now if they're just coming to the sport the fighting is, is becoming so few and far between that it's almost, it is a novelty to them. Of what are they doing? I remember, I remember when um, I was watching one of my first ever games in Toronto and this was the year the Leafs were terrible. Like this was the, this was the, the finish bottom for Austin Matthews year. Um, and um, they were, they were awful. But anyway, they were playing this game and they were actually playing quite well and they were, they were doing the right kind of things. They were close. They were hitting a lot of posts. And it was, it, it was a close game. And I was over there and I hadn't seen a win. And I really just wanted to see a win. And um, <laughs> they played this beautiful stretch pass up the centre of the ice. And I can't remember who it was. It might have even been Nylander at the time. Skated onto it. And then the next thing I hear, the referee's whistle goes. And there's some fight going on back at the uh, other end of the ice. And these two players then start this fight. And of course, this was a golden scoring opportunity. I, I was so annoyed that they decided to drop the gloves at this moment. But what was fascinating to me 
was that nobody in the arena, this may have had something to do with how uncompetitive the Leafs were that year, it might have been different if they were pushing for the playoffs, but no one in the arena cared at all that they'd given up a golden scoring chance. Yeah, it's a funny sort of situation as well, isn't it? Because I think the sport is kind of stuck between, uh, I wasn't around to see it, but in old days when, when fighting was, was done to a sort of a code and it was all acceptable, and to now, with sort of the NHL is trying to move on, it seems to um, having more skillful players on the ice and everything controlled by rules. And you seem to get some fans saying these things should be sorted out with a good old fight, and then other people saying no, it's the, the NHL should be dealing with it. And it seems like it's kind of stuck between the two. Is that yeah. is that the case? I think it is because if you if you listen to the well the podcast we were mentioning, Hockey Central at noon. Um, Nick Kiprios is a former NHL player and he's a regular pundit on there for Sportsnet. And I, I can't remember a programme that he did where he hasn't talked about that and how, how he hasn't talked about, you know, if this had happened in my day, a player would have done this, he would have been held accountable for. Teams need to be tougher. Teams need to have a guy to answer the bell and all of this kind of stuff. And it's really interesting hearing him because you kind of hear it from players like him who that was his bread and butter. That's what made him a really tough NHL player to play. And I guess if you're sitting there from a point of you can see the game changing, I don't know, does that make you feel a little bit more uncomfortable thinking that was my role, that was my job that's disappearing? Mm. And I, I just don't know. I, it was, I've said I'm not going to speak about the Leafs, but I'll quote Babcock, where he said something like, he's been asked loads of times about, are you tough enough? Is the team tough? And um, he came out with a quote and said something like, well, our toughness is our power play. So, i.e., if you foul or you get a penalty on us, then we'll hit you hard with a power play and score a power play goal. Turns out, after saying that, the Leafs went on one of the worst runs of power play time <laughs> I've ever seen in their history. So, it hasn't worked. But I can see teams going down that route, as in, if you, if you try and do anything dirty to us, we will punish you with a goal. So, you cross-check us, we score. And I guess that is a, a, a different way of dealing with it. And if you've got a, a lightning hot power play, um, then I don't know, maybe that is going to be the thing that tips it over the edge. Because at the moment, I still think there's that feeling of, well, the Capitals have got Tom Wilson. We need somebody. And mm. I don't know. I think it's just on the way out now, but there are still enough people around there who, who make it a thing that you still need to have that toughness within your team. Yeah, and because you're sort of on the, the sort of borders of the two sort of styles of hockey, though, it, it makes it hard to sort of introduce a player, a sort of lighter weight player, it seems like, uh, like Elias Pettersson, because, you know, he's so light and so fragile. What do you do with him? Do, do you have to protect him with another player or do you wait for the, the refs and the, you know, the NHL to, to do something about it? Um, and that's, it's, where we're at, that's where we're in that halfway house yeah. at the moment because the refs do sometimes but don't always and you get those inconsistencies. I mean, I remember that one with Elias Pedersen at the beginning of the season against Florida. I mean, mm. the guy got floored and I mean, there was, you know, he got a couple of games, Matheson, for that and that would probably be seen as the NHL protecting Pedersen in that scenario. But, there, you know, that... that that is one example. There have been loads of examples this year where you know smaller players or stars have had that happen to them and there hasn't been any retribution from the league. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think we are in that halfway house, but it's trending in the direction of small, fast-paced hockey. And mm. you think if that's going to be the case, then the punishments for doing things the wrong way are only going to get tougher and tougher and that's probably going to be the thing that takes it out of the game. Yeah, that Matheson one was a funny one because he said afterwards... Um, 
I didn't really mean to pick him up, but he was just so light. <laughs> I just lifted him up against the glass and he went over my shoulder. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Right. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Let me just pick up on something that you talked about uh, power plays and uh, the team, which we're going to mention in a moment, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they actually sit uh, second in the league uh, when it comes to power play to 28.4%. Boston underneath, Winnipeg underneath them and Colorado. But number one is Florida Panthers. Who would have is thought it? that? With 20... Uh, have I got my stats right here? No, sorry. It's way higher than that, isn't it? It's, it's someone like 20-something. 20, 20 I'm just trying to find where the stats are. Florida, Florida Panthers have got the most dangerous team. power play. Hmm. And then Tampa follows. So... That is that's a bit, bizarre. it is bizarre, but hey, that's, that's stats for you. There's always a... Well, as we, said on, as we said on last week's podcast, Ron Hainsey led plus minus in the whole entire NHL up until last week. So yeah, stats aren't <laughs> always uh, uh, a telling thing. But that, that's, that's bizarre, although I have... Well, Tampa's being second doesn't surprise me at all, only that it's not first. And I guess... Well, yeah, let's talk we've... about Tampa because uh, it, it's, uh, this is their year. The, it's theirs to lose, as people keep saying. It is, but what, what I've been impressed with Tampa all the way through is although that has been the case, they've never really dropped. They've kept going, and they've kept going in a way that seems effortless. And all the talk around a lot of teams, Calgary, Toronto, uh, San Jose at the beginning of the season, all these other teams that have had the kind of contender mark given to them, they've all had moments in the year where they've dipped. And people will use the excuses of, well, it's a long season. You don't need to kind of play 82 top games. You need to play enough to get to the playoffs and then bring your A game. The thing with Tampa is they're bringing their A game <clears throat> consistently. And even when they lost their goaltender for 10 games, their backup goaltender comes in and he plays incredible and they win 10 games or something on the road. An amazing run. You could say that in because, you know, I'm, I'm looking today, I'm looking at teams comparably in their last five games and Tampa Bay Lightning have won five out of five of their last five games. So yeah. that kind of sets you the scene of this is a team who are ready for the playoffs. You compare yeah. that to someone like the Leafs who are still up there in terms of their positioning, but the consistency isn't there. And if this is at the point where a team like Boston are managing to kind of get their stuff together, it feels like they're really getting their ducks in order to look like a team that can go through the first round of the playoffs, the second maybe, whereas that's where the Leafs aren't. But what I, I mean, you know, even with Boston, you know, they went on a three-game losing streak not that long ago. And, you know, they've had ups and downs. They've had a lot of injuries as well. Um, but I think with Tampa, the impressive thing about them is it's just been, they've been so consistent all year. I guess the only thing you could be worrying about if you were a paranoid Tampa Bay fan is that, well, everybody else has had moments when they've dropped off this season. Please, for the love of God, make sure that ours isn't when the playoffs start. Because that could be a thing, you know, they, mm -hmm. they could hit their dip at just the wrong point and then the whole season will be a write-off. But they have got so much talent and so much depth that you would imagine if Stamkos has a bad night, then Kucherov, who's what, probably their best player this season, Point, mm -hmm. Vasilevsky, they have got it all. That McDonough trade that they did last year was incredible now when you look at it. And the only thing for Tampa is... Can they hold it all together next year with Point needing a contract and things like that? 
But to be honest, if I was a Tampa Bay fan, I wouldn't be worrying about that. I'd be enjoying this season and thinking, as you said, Claire, this is probably our year. Yeah, yeah and I, I think... did. I spoke to a Tampa fan this week, actually. Sorry, sorry, Andy. Just to mention, right. um, he went over to go and watch a game a few weeks ago. They were playing the Devils. Um, and uh, ironically, uh, Howard uh, is a big football fan and he's, he works for BBC Sport as well. So uh, trying to convince someone who works for sport in the BBC that ice hockey is a valid sport <laughs> as a UK fan is uh, an interesting conversation. But he's hooked on Tampa and uh, he said what was really fascinating, like just the energy. He's been to see them a few times. He goes there every year. Uh, but the energy and the excitement about the place this year is palpable and he noticed the difference. He also said that when they score goals, they have real lightning. He, he's trying to work out what was actually going on, but they actually create real lightning as their goal celebration within the stadium. Really? Yeah. And he said that would like, obviously the show, you know, when you go to watch football, in the UK compared to watching ice hockey in North America. I mean, man, the spectacle around it is just astronomical. But yeah, he said he couldn't believe it, though he did complain that it was £13 a pint. Wow. It's so, a bit, I, think I've seen, I think I've seen it's a bit like those, those globes where you put your hands on. It's like a, sort of like a crackling, and a bit makes your hair uh, stand yeah. up if you're in the, in the stadium. Mm. I was going to suggest with, with, the, with the playoffs, I think with any sort of sport and any sort of playoffs, that the teams that generally win are either the ones that have just got some sort of um, playoff mentality about them, or quite often it's the ones that are just on a good run of form. And your know, momentum is really important. So I just wondered, with, with the Tampa uh, Bay Lightning, whether they might just come up against a tight team, which is, is just their day. It's just they're in good form at the moment. They go into the playoffs at the right time. Uh, I'm not sure who that team would be at the moment, but that might be a danger, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... It, because I've, you know, as a Leafs fan, I've thought a lot about Tampa. Um, I've, I've started to not think about it so much now, um, as I don't think we'll get beyond Boston. But <laughs> it's, it's interesting because Tampa have not been, apart from when they played this in the last game, where they absolutely obliterated us. And I'm, you know, kind of, I'm hoping it was because of flu, um, which has been rumoured. But they've not been a team where, when we've played them and when I've watched them, I've thought they are unbeatable. And I think it's possibly because of the way the Leafs play and it does match up a little bit better with Tampa. They've, they're a bit heavy, a bit tougher, but they do play similar types of hockey. Um, and so I've kind of always thought Tampa is potentially a team the Leafs could beat. But then you put them up against a team like Boston, who are going to play very differently. But again, with Boston, you see, although they're, they're so good, Boston, but they've... They're, they still are really a one-line team. And when you look at the depth that Tampa has, I just can't see them beating and them over that time. Mm. Yeah, and, it, and, and Vasilevsky is superhuman. Like he is, he's at just such an incredible goaltender to have. And Louis Domingue, as their backup goaltender, has proven that he can win games for them. Um, but, I mean, all it takes is for you to have two two maybe well yeah two off games three off games which can happen and you lose a series and so I guess you can never go into the playoffs 100% confident that you're going to make it through but with the way that Tampa has played I mean I'm sure those Western Conference teams at the moment are quite pleased that they're over in the east right now. 
Well, shall we look at where we're at? Let's, let's do east first and then we'll come to the west, if that's okay with you, Andy. Um, yeah, of course. So whilst we're talking about the east, what's uh, really interesting here is that there could still be some movement really in the third space of the metro and also those two wildcard spaces, which is very different to in the west, where really it's about the second wildcard spot. Um, so in the East, we're looking really that Pittsburgh should be able to hold that third space uh, with 89 points. But when you look at the wild card, you're talking about 87 and 84 points. That's for Carolina and Columbus. Montreal are not far behind with 83 points. It seems to be that maybe Philadelphia at 78 points might be pushing it uh, unless they go on a mad run over the next uh, nine games then it kind of might be that they might be pipped to the post, but anything can happen. Um, What's interesting when I look at these last five games is that Carolina, who sit in the first wildcard space right now, are on a run of winning four in the last five, which is incredible, actually. Um, They they even beat the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins in a shootout last night. But their games coming up are reasonably tough they've got Tampa Bay Lightning um they've got Minnesota Wild and the Canadians um the Montreal Canadians uh, are obviously they're one point out of a wildcard spot and this could be interesting if Columbus continue to be quite incon- inconsistent if Montreal get back on a winning streak they could potentially get a wildcard spot and they've dipped in and out all season but the the stats say They've only won one in the last five games. So is Montreal kissing goodbye to a chance of a playoff spot? Um, they're coming up, they've got New York Islanders um, who are doing all right. Uh, they've got Sabres and the big game, which I think is what I'm going to watch. They'll be playing the Hurricanes on Sunday and both uh, Carolina and Montreal will be fighting over that wildcard spot. So that game, whoever wins that game could really determine what happens in the East. Um, Columbus have won two in the last five. Um, you know, they're only clutching onto a wildcard space, but they've got a bit of an easier run. They've got Oilers, Canucks and Islanders coming up in the next three games. So if they could beat the Oilers and Canucks, then that would get them four points, which would really keep them in that wildcard spot. So it's, it's an interesting battle that's going on in the East. And, Colum- and the, the pressure for Columbus, obviously, as we've talked about many times since the trade deadline, is they're all in this year. So you wonder whether that is going to give them that little bit of an extra push when it comes to those real crunch games that they've got to win. Because um, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of players on that, that roster that are going to be looking around saying, we're not all going to be here next year. We've been given a chance to go and do something. And I wonder whether they end up doing a Nashville a couple of years ago where they sneak into the playoffs and then actually have a really, really good run all the way through. Although, presumably, if they're going to sneak in the second wildcard spot, they'll play Tampa, won't they? Because, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, they'll, they'll play Tampa, which, I mean, it almost feels like pointless getting into that second wildcard spot, doesn't it? <laughs> I imagine that. You're like, yes, we've got there, guys. And then, ah, oh, brilliant. Well, at least we'll get some sunshine. Yeah. So that Sunday game, Carolina... Um, and Montreal. I would, gonna... I would say I'm going to watch that, Claire, but uh, I won't because I'll be in Toronto. Whatever. What, watching an actual Toronto. Uh, Lost. Oh no, I'm watching a Marley's game on uh, <laughs> Marley's game on Sunday, so I might watch that game in the evening at a normal <laughs> time of day. Oh man. 
Uh, let's look at the West then. So in the West, as I say... Um... Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not letting you get away with that so quickly. Who do you think is going to get that wild card spot? I mean, obviously, I want Columbus. Well, yeah, I you're think... a Columbus fan, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not bothered about... <laughs> I'm a Columbus... Yeah. <laughs> I want Columbus and I want Carolina. Um, yeah. I think that if, if we look at the effort that's been put in, Columbus put a lot of all their cards in. They played it well during the trade deadline. So I want to see that pay off because mm. they took a big risk. Carolina yeah. are putting their ducks in order and they're working hard on the efforts there. Montreal, so, no, I'm, I'm not seeing it. They've won one in five. Do they deserve a wild card spot? No, not right it's now. It's also the right answer as a Leafs fan, as a true Leafs fan, Claire, because you can never support Montreal. Um, <laughs> Andy, who would you predict for that East spot? Yeah, I thought. So just drop my phone. Um, for what for what it's worth, I think I agree with uh, with Claire there. Um, I think it's, it's all about momentum, as I said before. And the Canadians haven't got any. Um, they they've started quite well. They've they, you know if they finish their playoffs, they deserve to be there for, for winning the number of games. But they've just dipped in form at the wrong time. And if they did go into playoffs, I think Tampa Bay would be licking their lips. So yeah, the other two. Yeah. So I mean, it looks at the moment that there'll be three Canadian teams heading into the playoffs. Uh, which would be Winnipeg, uh, blah, 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 Calgary, and Toronto. Yeah. So let's look at the West then. So the West is all about that second wild card spot. The others seem fairly sewn up. The only one dance which could happen uh, could be between uh, Dallas and St. Louis, like Louis Blues, um, whether they would kind of toy between uh, third space um, and their wild card first spot. Uh, they're two points between them at the moment. Uh, Did you see St. Louis scored seven last night? Wow. Seven really? goals last night. I'm trying to remember who it was against. They won 7-2. Wow. Have a look. See who it was. So let me just run through here. This, this is how tight it is. Um, we're talking in the second wildcard spot, which uh, I want to say Arizona. Arizona sitting at the moment as we put this podcast out with 78 points. <laughs> then you're talking about... Minnesota with 77, Colorado with 76, and then Chicago with 74. Underneath that, which I think I'm, I've put a line under here. Sorry, Andy. What? Vancouver have got 72 and Edmonton with 71. I don't think with, with nine games left that they can pull it up to get up to 78 points. I think the on, that note, on that note, it was, it, it was Edmonton who lost to St. Louis 7-2 last yeah. night which yeah I mean if, if their their future this season hadn't been sealed then uh, and if you're feeling bad about um, Claire not putting the Vancouver Canucks in Andy just be glad you didn't choose Edmonton as your team that's all <laughs> I'll say <laughs> so let's have a look then Arizona sit in that second wild card spot now they have won two in the last five um, they're heading up against uh, the Panthers Devils and Islanders so you think those first two games statistically they should win um minnesota have uh, got one less game than than the others and they're not on a great roll they've won one in five and they've got a tough week ahead as well they've got the caps hurricanes and the preds so i would kind of say that's a tough um schedule end to the season they're gonna have to really up their game and turn around that losing streak to make such a difference with one less game, I'm not quite sure that they're going to do it. Colorado, the chances are higher. The 76 points. They've won three in the last five. They always seem to win with three goals. That's their magic number. 
Um, and they are heading up against Dallas Stars and they've got a double header with Blackhawks. And Blackhawks are underneath them, uh, who actually have a game in hand. Uh, they have also won four out of the last five games and they're facing the Flyers and then this double, uh, double header with the Avalanches. So my games to watch in the West over the next week are looking over the, the double headers between Colorado and Chicago um, because, again, that could determine if, if for any reason Arizona don't fare well out of these two easier games they have this week, Minnesota, we assume, aren't going to win any of their games and then Colorado win both those double headers or Chicago win both those double headers. I think that's where we could see the changes happen um, in the wildcard spot. So the, the crazy thing, the crazy thing about these Western conferences is you're talking about Chicago, you're talking about St. Louis at Christmas, both those teams were looking to sell at the trade deadline because of the awful seasons they were having the turnarounds yeah. that those two teams have had have made the Western conference a nightmare because those teams should be down at the bottom, but they've pushed up and they've created this kind of clump in the middle that, you know, it's, it's not conceivable that Dallas get in, ahead of St. Louis if they go on a bit of a run but then you see St. Louis slamming in seven goals against the Oilers um, I, I don't know I, you're right you're, you know, you're picking out matchup games now that really mean something to these teams and they were almost like pre-playoff games because they're the ones if you can beat a team that you're next to in your division then that's like four points instead of two mm. so it's really I like this time of year I like it when you have to kind of, you almost have to think not just vertically, but horizontally of what else is happening around. And it's all if, buts and maybes. I know we called an episode that a few, a few months ago, didn't we? But it really does come down to that in, in, the, uh, in the final two weeks, three weeks of the season. I love it. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still not a massive fan of the, uh, this playoff format of the fact that you've got a team like Winnipeg who are top of their division uh, and yet they're a point behind Toronto who are in third. Well, we'll come do we not to think, that. Do we not think there's better ways of doing this? There's, like, there's got to be more to play for. I think that's as much as you're right. Like This time of year is exciting for a lot of teams. There's also a lot of teams who know exactly what, what deal they've got and they've known it for quite a long time. Yeah, but is the alternative to put them all in one division and then pick the top, you know, 20 or something that, that uh, I'm not sure what the perfect answer is I, I can see your point about it seeming unfair that one team's won fewer games and yet is in, in a better position but I, I'm not sure what the perfect system is yeah. I'd like to see I'd like to see east-west I understand why you wouldn't want to have first round games which are including east-west travel um, but at least if you you know the two divisions you merge them for the playoffs and had the east east division and or the east playoffs and the west playoffs yeah, but the more teams you group together, the more sort of safe teams you create, don't you? If you um, if that's what you're talking about, so I'd, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. Mm. Okay, let's look at a couple of the other things which have uh, jumped out. Obviously, um, we have a Slack group, uh, which if uh, you are listening to this and you'd like to join, um, then email us nhlfansfromafar at gmail dot com. One of the subjects thrown into the mix this week. Uh, was from Patton against User, who is a Habs fan. He's going to hate us now. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> he said he was listening to uh, Habalisten. They were discussing Carey Price's achievements with the 315 career wins for Montreal and whether or not his jersey should be retired despite no Stanley Cup. 
Um, so what this kind of had sparked up is a bit of a, a conversation, which Andy, you kind of summarized so well, is can a player be great if he never wins anything significant? And I find this fascinating because if you, if you look at age when it comes to the NHL, three of the five oldest players in the NHL have not got a Stanley Cup. They are Roberto Luongo, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe. Um, even up to last year, we saw Alex Ovechkin, who hadn't got a Stanley Cup win until last year, and we saw how much that meant to him. But I do think this is, a, this is an interesting thought. What were you thinking on this, Andy? I'm thinking that's when it comes down to it, sport is about winning stuff. And if you haven't got any trophies... Yes, you can be very good. But um, they have got but, trophies in things like... Yeah, but not, not the biggest one, though. Not the yeah. one that really counts. The one at the end of their careers, they're not going to be... Well, they will look back and say, I've you know, won an individual achievement awards. But the oh, one they really want... The one, yeah, yeah, the one they really want is, is the big trophy, isn't it? Mm. Um, and unless they have that, if you put two players side by side, one is one the Stanley Cup and one who hasn't, one's better than the other. Yeah, and you compared this to people in other sports as well, like George Best. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, if you've got players like him um, who've had amazing careers, they've done everything in the game to, to appear to be, you know, to be a good player, and, you know, unbelievable skill, but for, you know, for perhaps for no fault of their own have not won something, can you put them on the same pedestal as somebody who has won something of equal skill? And I, I think probably you don't. And if, if you start handing out awards for just being very good, but not being great, then does it sort of devalue the, the award you know, at the end of the day? Yeah. But to, to, counter, to counter that argument, I was, um, I was listening, and I'm, I'm desperately trying to remember the name of the player, but I can't, um, who was being interviewed on a podcast I was listening to. And he was asked the question whether he valued his Stanley Cup ring or his, um, his entry into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Which, which does he value more? Um, of his achievements. And I thought it was fascinating that he chose the fact that he's gone into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And the Would he have done if he hadn't had that, the Stanley Cup win, though? Well, that is an interesting point. I'm pretty sure there are some in there that haven't. But yeah, that's sure. a very good... It's a good point, though. Um, but he said that the reason why he values that higher is that although winning the Stanley Cup is by no means easy in any way... For us, where, anyway, however, people win the Stanley Cup who aren't great players. There are players, there are a lot of players on teams who are your fourth line centres, who are your, you know, your depth players. They get a Stanley Cup ring. Now, I'm not devaluing what they do because the role that they play is obviously important enough for that team to win the Stanley Cup. But what this guy was saying was that actually the individual achievement of getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame was more recognition for his career as opposed to the team, which, you know, a lot of players have those Stanley Cup rings, which is interesting because all the way through, everything I've heard so far is, it's the Stanley Cup ring. It's the Stanley Cup. That is what people want to win. But this was a different look, whereas actually you can be a Carey Price. You can be a L Henrik Lundqvist. You can be other players who aren't goaltenders, but I can't think of any right now. Um, you can be those great players and yet your team has just never been in a position to support you through to a Stanley Cup victory. And I think it's 
I, I just don't know. I, maybe it's because I'm, I support bad teams across all my sports. So I would imagine that I can only give recognition to players who have done well without winning anything. But I don't know. I think it would, for Montreal not to, you know, retire Carey Price's number or make a deal of him, of his career, just because they haven't won a Stanley Cup in his era yet. And if they didn't, I don't know. I think they've got to. Surely they've got to. There are too many teams now. It's different when there were six teams, but when there's now 31, soon to be 32 teams, not everyone can win the Cup. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely they will. There's absolutely no question about it. They will retire his jersey. They'll, you know, make him a, whatever they call their stars at the, uh, the Canadians. It's just, though, I'm thinking, are there sort of two levels here? Are there, is there a level of being you know, an elite player who's very good, everybody respects him, and the true greats who have also won something? Mm. What else were we talking about in the stack group? We were talking about hockey films. Jolan, what's your favourite hockey film? So I thought about this. Um, I haven't seen Slapshot, but I will. Uh, oh, well. I will. I'm going to watch it. Um, I, I can safely say that the only vaguely hockey-related film that I've seen is Happy Gilmore. Um, so, and I like that film, so I'm going to have to say that. But that's not—that's uh, kind of winning first place in a one-man race. Well, I did enjoy. Um, do you remember Blades of Glory? Uh, many years ago, which is also just a ridiculous comedy crappy thing, isn't it? But um, it had Will Arnett in, and um, one of my favourite things of this weekend, and I will just throw throw it in now, I put him as my man crush of the week, um, Will Arnett, because he came up, I didn't realise he's a Leafs fan, and he was watching there in the stadium, the Flyers game, and he came up to do colour comms at the start of the second period. And it was oh, brilliant. Yeah. I it heard about that. So what a game great. for him to do as well. Yes, it was, it was great. But you know what? One of the things that slightly let him down was that he said, uh, when they said, so who is your favourite player? He said Mitch Marner first, and his second was Jake Gardner. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I was like, uh, I think you need to maybe update that, that opinion. Um, he's, although I read an article the other day about Jake Gardner who was saying that he's, it's incredible how many games he's played for the Leafs. And when you put him up against some other players, he's played an obscene amount of games for the Leafs. And he's, he's close to, he may not get it now, especially he's not playing at the moment, but he's, he has been a Leaf for a very, very long time. And I think you're also, we're also looking at now what the Leafs' defence looks like without him. And mm-hmm. it's not pretty. Um, I think the big winner of, of the last week or so has been Jake Gardner. And if he comes back fit and healthy for the playoffs, it's going to be a huge boost to that D, which has looked hopeless without him, well, which is something that I can't believe I'm saying. That's it. Goals in for Toronto, 6-5-6. Six, six. I mean, that says yeah, everything not... about the <laughs> yeah. uh, But other films on the list. Anyway, positive. Uh, Matt Day, the Dallas fan, suggested Slapshot and also Last Gladiators documentary, um, I threw in the mix mascots, which is not technically an ice hockey uh, film, but uh, the Irish fella from the IT crowd plays the ice hockey mascot, um, and it's pretty rude and quite funny. It just it made me laugh. But also the weird little doc films that go out by certain clubs, like San Jose Sharks, have really done well on this. They did a Brent Burns Texas Life, where they just went out. It was in two parts. And they just follow him and his family around his big ranch. And you've really got to see the guy from a completely different angle to how he is on the ice. Uh, what else? Rob McGregor put 
a film about Terry Sawachuk. I don't know if I said his name right. Um, there's also Red Army about the famed Soviet players from the 1980s, which he'd highly recommend. What about you, Andy? What do you watch? Uh, I've watched Goon. I enjoyed that. <laughs> That's just good fun, isn't it? I mean, a lot of sports films are dreadful, but that I think that sort of pitched it just about right. It was just a, a fun about people beating each other, beat each other up, and yeah, you can't go wrong with that. I watched Ice Guardians as well, the sort of documentary one mm-hmm. where about the, about the enforcers. Yeah, it was sort of interesting, although I got the point after about half an hour and then sort of zoned out a bit after that. Yeah. Uh, and that's about it. That's all I've seen so far. So I'll, I'll be watching those other ones as well. You can go on a long rabbit tunnel on YouTube. <laughs> I tell you. It, oh, that's it, what the summer's for, guys. You've got a load of hockey and player hockey coming up. Don't don't waste your valuable TV time on that. You've got to wait till the <laughs> summer. That's when it's time for so, hockey films. Sorry, playoff hockey. What's that? Well, yeah, good point. Yeah, it's something I, I always used to assume the, uh, the <laughs> season finished in April. It's only the last few years that I've realised it goes on longer. Yeah. Right. Well, there's only one thing left to do whilst uh, before we finish up, right? Um, we've got a number of uh, that was put out on Twitter of Toronto's video room. Um, and it was during a Bruins game that someone tweeted it and they forgot to blur it out. Now, I've got that number and I've typed it into my phone. And um, I said that we would call it and see what happens when we're recording the podcast. I've got it ready to <laughs> dial. Are we ready? I don't know what go. I'm going to say if no one answers. Oh, yeah, go for it. This would be okay. great. I'm going to put on speaker. It's calling. Oh, it said... It said call failed. Oh, what a surprise. Try the again. Toronto Try again. Maple Leafs have changed that number. <laughs> oh! What are we going to say? I don't know. It's like being a teenager. What time is it though? Oh. It's, it's going to be half even seven. Night time. <laughs> no one's going to answer at half seven. I want to see if there's a voicemail. <laughs> Hello, this is the ghost of Freddie Anderson. I'll give it one more ring. One more ring. Oh. No, right, well, maybe we'll try call that later on. But um, <laughs> what, we can, what we can find out is that the number for Toronto's video room works. So during the next game, maybe we should try call it then. Yeah, unbelievable. That's uh, a shambles of an organisation at the moment, isn't it? They can't even cover up the video room number. Well, <laughs> Andy, it's been really lovely talking to you and hearing your perspective. Um, welcome to this crazy sport that is golf on ice. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, do make sure that you subscribe to us, particularly as we head, get ready to head off to the playoffs. We're still looking for more fans. Uh, so do make sure that you can contact us, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. We'll tell you all the ways that you can connect with us. And make sure you subscribe, rate and review us. Jolon, you're off. I hope you, uh, hope you have a great travel to Toronto. Travel. Thanks very much. Yeah, no, it's going to be good fun getting a couple of Leafs games, uh, Marley's game. And uh, yeah, just uh, hopefully, hopefully going to see them turn around some form. Otherwise, it's not going to be the best of trips, but we'll make it. It's a good city to go to anyway.
Well, we'll catch up with you on Tuesday. Uh, the emergency goalie, Stephen Edwards, will be with me, but hopefully we'll be able to hook up with Jolon after he's seen those games. So, uh, yeah, let's look forward to some more crazy matchups in the East and the West. And safe travels, Jolon. Cheers, Claire. See you later. <laughs>